back to the Being Forces Friendly podcast, a monthly podcast where we sit down with experts from the armed forces, government and business to discuss engaging with defence and the mutual benefits that come from it. Welcome back to another episode of the Being Forces Friendly podcast. Joining us, we have Lisa Marr, Emma Morgan and Victoria Wales. All three have served in the British Army and have transitioned to successful civilian careers, and in Victoria's case, a successful sporting career. And in a moment, I'll hand over to our guests to introduce themselves. But firstly, we asked Lisa, Emma and Victoria to join us today because in this episode, we wanted to talk specifically about the female veteran experience. As the interface between the MOD and UK employers, DRM engages and educates employers on the benefits of partnering with Defence including the value of employing reservists and veterans. However, research has shown that female veterans do face specific challenges when transitioning from the armed forces. So that's why in this episode, we are talking to three successful female veterans about their transition experience and how industry can better harness female veteran service leader talents. So without further ado, let's introduce our guests. Firstly, I'll hand over to Lisa, followed by Emma and then Victoria, Lisa. Great, thanks Kylie. Um, good afternoon everyone. It's I'm Lisa Marr and I currently run the Veteran Employment Transition Support Programme, uh, which is funded by Barclays Bank. Um, as Kylie has already alluded to, I am a British Army veteran um, and I also served um, just over two years with the New Zealand Defence Force as well. Um, I did 18 years regular service before going back into green to do a further five years um, on an FTRS commission. Excellent. Thank you, Lisa. And Emma? Yeah, cheers, Kylie. Hi, Emma Morgan. Um, so currently, I'm the programme manager for EMEA, uh, part of Amazon's global military affairs team. So what that role entails is to develop programmes to address the needs of the military community, which includes not only service leavers, but veterans and the military spouse community. Um, and Amazon is, is hugely committed to, to that community. And actually, our team's mission is to be Earth's most military-friendly company. But prior to joining Amazon, uh, I worked as a lawyer briefly in the city. And prior to that, I was a manager at KPMG working in risk consultancy, which was my first role on, on leaving the army. Um, when I was in the army, I was a lawyer. I did nearly 17 years and left just at the end of 2018. And Vicky? Hi, I'm Vicky Wales and I have been out of the military for 10 years after serving 15 years. Um, so I recently now, my current job is working with Amazon as a senior area manager and I've been with Amazon for a year and um, that's my most recent transition since the service and into Amazon as employment. Um, before that, I worked in Australia for seven years um, as a general manager for two different fitness companies. So a varied background. Um, I want to allude as well that um, my discharge was a medical one after sustaining um, a double back break in a, a training exercise um, accident. So yeah, my my decision to leave the military um, wasn't my own. Great. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Um, let's jump straight into it. And firstly, let's take a look back at your personal transition stories. And Emma, let's start with you. What are the first thoughts that come to mind when you look back over that initial transition phase? Yeah, um, so two things really sort of stick in my mind, really. Um, it was an exciting time, but also a really daunting time. 
I was extremely focused on my resettlement. I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer or leaving the military, but equally I was unsure about what I wanted to do either. So I was excited about where my next career was going to go, but like I said, very unsure about, about where that would take me. Um, so I set about the sort of usual course of events that people do is, is sort of tender military insight events with, with sort of various companies. I was lucky I was based in London at the time. So, you know, big, big sort of corporate events I could go along to. One thing that struck me was my very first event I went to. It was a large corporate firm and sort of turned up. And first thing I found was I was the first female, the only female there at this event. And the rest of the sort of audience that were with me were mostly young male officers, quite um, confident in, in their abilities, um, very sort of sharp suited. And, and yes, I'm going to be a thruster in the city. And this just threw me, to be honest. I'm consider myself a very confident person, confident woman, um, you know, being in the military, I'm around males all the time. But actually, I found this environment completely intimidating and not one I wanted to be a part of and did the usual sort of thing, go and stand in a corner, head down on my mobile phone and not really interacting, um, which is surprising for a lot of people when they hear that about me at events. <laughs> but, um, you know, if, if that's what I felt like as somebody who was confident, then somebody who's not as confident as me was going to be really struggling at something like that. So I could have got been put off right at the start. I could have gone, do you know what? This isn't for me. I'm not getting in this game. But I wanted to keep going, you know. I've got to get another career. I've got, I've got to sort of forge my way ahead. So I then, you know, started going to events more. But what I did was sort of make a beeline for other females that would be there. You know, at least you've got somebody to chat to whilst you're there. And then you can sort of help each other as well and sort of boost your confidence. But but that initial sort of foray into, into to resettlement and going to events, I found particularly daunting, those first couple of events to start off with. Um, and yeah, we, we might want to chat about it later, but I think particularly for women, it can be a daunting time. I think that's really interesting to talk about the, the transition from military to civilian and how it may be male dominated. And we'll definitely talk about that later on as well. Lisa, did you did you have similar experiences? How did you how did you find that transition experience in the first instance? Well, I'd like to say that I was as focused as Emma on resettlement, but I, I absolutely wasn't. Um, I I left because I uh, got married and had two small children, and my next job was going to be in Afghanistan. Um, and for me personally, that wasn't the right choice. So, so I left because of them uh, and we took the decision to move to New Zealand. Um, I had no clue what I wanted to do. Uh, and to give you an indication of that, you know, for my resettlement course, I went and did a ski instructor's um, course, which was fantastic, but absolutely no use to my transition. Um, but that kind of sums up, you know, in some ways, um, you know, my, my, my sort of um, feelings at the time. I just didn't know what to, what to do, what I was going to do. I was going moving to a new country. And and that's probably why I ended up joining the New Zealand Defence Force, um, because I got chatting to an individual who had a specific role for me, which, you know, absolutely spoke to my skill sets. I was able to accommodate shorter working hours because uh, the kids were very, very small. Um, 
and they did everything they could to accommodate, you know, being a working, uh, a working mum. And, you know, my husband was also working full time. So, so I did that, but probably not because if I'm be absolutely genuine, because I had a real desire to serve with the New Zealand Defence Force. It's just because it was comfortable and I knew I could do the job. Um, and don't get me wrong, I had a, a fantastic time. Um, and I loved it, but I did it for two years. And then I did actually get a proper job you know working for a school as a development officer but again very much fell into it um and then when I when we moved back to the UK we'd been in um Christchurch in New Zealand for five years you know I came back I had no network I, I had done nothing to prepare myself um you know for the world of work and, and still just didn't know what I wanted to do and fate uh, just you know happened yet again that um, the local brigades were rolling out the employer engagement um, roles for FTRS individuals um, it was very similar to the role I'd done in Christchurch for the school obviously back in green and, and I came back into green so you know, I didn't, I, I'm not the poster girl for transition. It has, it has to be said. And then, uh, then I can say I, I did feel a little bit like Emma. At the time, I didn't know that these companies ran massive insight days. It wasn't as well publicized. You know, when I left the first time, it was 2009. So, you know, the business has got its act together in a much more cohesive way. It's really well advertised now. It just wasn't back then. So um, I actually learned, you know, from, from the individuals who were leaving the brigade at the time about the opportunities. Obviously didn't get CTP help this time round, but did take up the opportunities to go to the Insight Days. And for me, they were invaluable because it really shaped, more importantly, where I didn't see myself fitting. Um, but also gave me some great opportunities of where I did see myself fitting uh, and, and in areas that I would never have expected or, or chosen to pursue uh, had it just been me down to my own devices. I think what you say about not being the, the poster girl for transition because you tried a few different things is quite interesting because actually when most people, whether you're coming out of the military or you're a civilian and you're coming out of university or things like that, when most people take those first steps into, into jobs, new forms of employment, they don't necessarily know what they want to do straight off anyway. And so it takes a little bit of finding your feet and finding out what it is that you want to explore. So that's that's a, a really nice synergy as well. Vicky, you, you didn't necessarily want to leave the military. And like you mentioned in your introduction, you were medically dis discharged um, due to a training accident. Now, of course, you have a successful career at Amazon and you're also an Invictus athlete. But what was your initial transition phase like and what were those initial barriers? So um, I think with a lot of people, I agree with uh, Emma and Lisa, what they've just said as well. It is a daunting experience and people don't know what to do, I think. Um, instead of waiting to transition, people should get ahead of that a lot earlier and take some ownership of their own development, um, which is what I did, luckily. Um, I was studying whilst in the army and managed to put myself through two separate degrees while serving. And because I knew I wanted um, a career outside of the military as well, and I wanted that to be fully supported. Um, but like you said, I was, I was injured, so I had no plan, no notice. And all of a sudden I was thrust into this position where I couldn't attend any of the transition workshops. I couldn't attend any of the CTPs. There wasn't any virtual option then. I'm sure there is now <laughs> um, after being thrust into a global pandemic. But at the time there was nothing. So I was uncertain whether I could walk again. I was uncertain whether 
I was ever going to get employed, actually. That was a real big worry because I thought, well, how am I going to get about the place um, if I cannot walk? Is Am I going to be seen differently from employers, um, medically discharged on your service leaver certificate also has its own um, challenge and with other people's perceptions of what that could be and whether you're fit for work, really, because ultimately that's what the army is telling me I'm not. Um, so a lot of mine was personal recovery, but I felt really left alone and out on a limb. I had no real connection, nobody reaching out. And whenever I asked for help um, to do any courses, they just weren't a right fit. It seemed all male dominated. All the ma- all the companies that were advertising for, for vets at the time all seemed to be um, industry based for example, oil rigs and building and gas engineers, plumbing. There was no real hook for me. I, I didn't see any course that was offered that would have been a good fit for me. So I challenged, it was challenging just to find something to do. Um, and obviously I was unable to do it at the time, not just with injury and pain and inability to make it to anywhere, but also the pain medication I was on, I wasn't uh, the sharpest at the time with that. So I had so much to deal with and nobody really looks at that holistically about the challenges people are having, especially when injured. And I'm seeing that now whilst being on the Invictus team, people are leaving and they're getting much better support. There's so much more and better um, links into industries now there's there's so much more focus on hiring disabled vets as well um, which is amazing to see coming around but certainly when I I went through that I just um, all I remember getting support with is extension or you can extend your settlement for two years but I was injured for a lot longer than two years so I lost all access to be able to do that so I never had any transition workshops at any at any time so um yeah my experience being completely different to the others you're what you're saying about access to industry and 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 that side of is really important and and we'll move on to that but it's yeah. also good to hear from you although you faced those challenges and you didn't have the support that you needed at the time what you're saying about people now having that support i suppose is at least a positive thing that that things are changing and and hopefully yeah. the engagement space is recognizing um the the transition for wounded injured sick veterans a lot more um and we'll definitely talk about that that further on as well so i mean moving nicely on from what you're talking about in terms of access to industry because when we think about service leavers and their transition one of the most important things to consider is is how they can access specific sectors so lisa you you've already mentioned that during your initial your first transition you didn't necessarily know what you wanted to do but after that you had a better idea about maybe the sector that you wanted to go into um talk us through a little bit about that and maybe once you're back in the UK how you started to reach out to specific industries and certain sectors well certainly when I undertook the employer engagement role that for the first time gave me you know I was working externally to the military it was all outward facing so I was actually engaging with businesses all the time so for the first time actually I got to see firsthand the sort of things that business people do I know that that sounds very sort of generic and and immature in some ways but 
you know, you see all these companies, but you have no idea what goes on behind those walls, you know, and, and we're forever preaching to individuals that the military is more than just, you know, the white male with a pack on his back and a rifle. But we don't break down that perceptions when we look at industry, you know, and so I now work for a bank, but there are so there's so much more going on behind that facade than banking. You know, there's HR, there's admin, there's, you know, veterans programs, there's all kinds of things. So. I suppose for the first time I saw businesses, you know, what they can offer and the different kinds of roles and opportunities um, that were, you know, in the financial sector or in the consultancy sector and, and, and not always those that you first, you know, perceive are, 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 the, are the opportunities. Certainly my top tip for transition, you know, um, to, to all the veterans and, and service leaders that I speak to now is, you know, the businesses, you know, across the country are doing amazing work in this space now. They all offer insight days or opportunities to talk to staff. And, and you really must grasp those opportunities because it's it, when you get to talk to them face to face, you suddenly learn about, you know, what they do, what the opportunities are. But more importantly, um, you get to know the culture of the company. And for me, and I say this till I'm blue in the face, is a culture of a company is as important most of the time as the job you're going to do you know you can have the greatest job in the world and land it and you know be really enthusiastic but if you're not the right fit for that company that's not going to be the right place for you it's not going to be the right transition for you and you're going to struggle and at worst you're going to leave and then you're back to square one so really take the opportunity to go and visit these businesses talk to the staff even on an insight day, even on a, you know, a, a chat with, you know, visit Amazon, uh, you know, uh, at, a, at a logistic unit, you know, talk to the staff there and you get a really good feel just from talking to them about what makes them tip, how their culture, what their culture is like, what the people are like in, in, in that company. So that would be my top tier. Um, and essentially, that's what I did when it when it came to transitioning. And that's how I ended up at Barclays. For me, it was not only the right role, which suited my skill set and my desires and wishes, but also the people within the bank, you know, for me was a, excuse me, was a really good cultural fit. Perfect. And Vicky, just going back to something that you were mentioning as well, because you were talking about maybe kind of the sectors that were targeting veterans were maybe a bit stereotypical in terms of their kind of building companies or construction or things like that. Do you think now maybe those organisations are, are a bit more in touch with the variety of skills that veterans have and maybe the diversity of the roles within those sectors is advertised a bit better. Yes, I can definitely see an improvement going forwards and in, in, in how much it's changed for the better since I went through it. And even just talking to friends that are currently transitioning now, the options they have and the understanding of businesses, especially with the Armed Forces Covenant, uh, is really expanding the understanding of what a soldier does, for example. All they think is maybe um, Air Force pilot, Army <laughs> soldier, and uh, the Navy skippers boats all day. And they don't have the understanding of all the leadership. Well, they, they, they will understand the leadership part, but the, the other added deaths that people do have while serving and the added skills and the transition skills that they can um, adapt and then reapply into the civilian workspace. Lisa has just uh, touched on gold dust. It definitely is culture. And I've had several jobs since leaving. And I can honestly say Amazon's culture 
and fit with um, military veterans is a partnership made in heaven. Um, the culture is huge. It's, you get picked up really quickly on mentorship schemes and also your the warrior group and candid networks. There's always something going on and always that group feeling. And actually, it's the first area of employment that I've had that feels military. It feels like I'm still in with Amazon. It's a, it's a weird but an amazing culture full of um, the right mix of both the military ethos and Amazon's ethos. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they are hitting the ball out of the park when it terms, in terms of understanding what a veteran needs to successfully transition into their business. And I think businesses that I are recruiting from the military pools, they need that understanding that, they need to support those people in that transition. And if they do, the success from the other side looks um, a whole a whole lot better. Perfect. Yeah. And I think, you know, touching on how Amazon are really, uh, I suppose, industry leaders in that space as well. We can go across yeah. to Emma because, Emma, you lead the, the military program in the UK. Tell us, you know, feel free to tell us a little bit more about, about how Amazon has built that culture but also in terms of your own transition into Amazon. How's that worked for you? Yeah, so Amazon's culture is based on what we call the leadership principles. And if you look at the leadership principles and look at things like military's values and standards, they are very aligned. And you find coming from a, a military environment where you have to maintain the highest standards, um, you know, deliver for your customers as we do at Amazon but you know having to deliver when you're in the military it, it very it, it's almost seamless read across in terms of those mm. principles and again I think what is certainly eye-opening for me and probably Vicky will say the same is we don't just pay lip service to those leadership principles we absolutely live by them every day so again like the army values and standards you know you live by that Amazon does as well. I will quote leadership principles on a daily basis in my work. And then more broadly is what Vicky's then touched on is we have affinity groups and we have the Warriors Affinity Group and members of the military community, whatever you may be, service leaver, veteran, military spouse or supporter of the military community can join that affinity group. And it really is a strong community amongst there and we do events we had a warriors week last year you know celebrating you know military community in amazon globally loads of global events and you really feel part of the business and the business recognizes that value of you your service they respect you for your service and what you bring to the party um and then we'll talk a bit more about mentorship i believe later but um but yes, we have a military internship program as well, where you can sign up for a mentor um, within the business, which I think is hugely valuable, particularly for those service leavers that are, are coming you know, straight from the military into the business, need help navigating their way around the business. They've got that, that program to reach out to. Well, I think this leads us nicely on to the VETS program, which Amazon is part of. And Lisa, you run the, the VETS program. Fort Barclays are the founding member, I believe, and you run that program on their behalf. Um, tell us what is the VETS program um, initially? Give us a bit of an introduction into what that is. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Chloe. So it, it's a 
coalition of the willing is is how we like to describe it and it and it sort of if I break it down into three uh stereotypes because I really could talk about this all day but essentially we work with businesses uh get them to sign up as a vet's partner and that's all about collaboration so sharing best practice um giving people information about how to set up a military network how to start internships so you know people like Amazon and Barclays and BT, you know, all the, all the big corporates you can imagine are part of this, this collective. And we all just, you know, you're very passionate about taking the dial on hiring service leavers and veterans and really turning it up. And of course, now military spouses um, and, and turning it up and getting to getting business to see the worth. It's not just about it being the right thing to do. We, we want to step away from that now. It's about the return of investment and the business value our service leavers and veterans and military community can add to that business. So that, that's the business side. Um, and it's a completely free program. Uh, the only ask for from the business is that they advertise the opportunities to their employees to provide mentors. And those mentors sign up to our platform and are there to aid that transition piece and we'll hear time and time again throughout this discussion about the value of mentoring while people are not only transitioning but perhaps looking for second careers um, and as I say they come across from all businesses and all sectors and that's really important so we've got a really good mix of there of you know anything a service leaver could possibly want to do hopefully there's somebody on that platform that can provide that advice and guidance even if it is just somebody connecting you know, and saying, I'm thinking about going into cyber, you know, this is my skill set, what do you think? You know, just a, an hour's coffee with an individual in that sector can make all the difference from that individual either going for it and realizing this is actually something he can do, or, you know, realizing that actually my skill set really isn't in this place and actually I need to be looking at, at something else, all the way through to a more meaningful mentoring relationship where they kind of meet up either physically when we can or virtually, you know, for a, for a number of weeks or over a set period of time. Um, and then, of course, we work with the, um, the veteran and the, um, the military spouse. And that's, again, done in a number of ways and, and very often done in collaboration with, you know, our partners. So it's about providing advice and guidance. It's about um, helping them with their CVs. It's about them being able to tap into an amazing network that I have at my disposal because we have over 170 fabulous businesses, all who see the value of hiring from this community, all who want to hire from this community and tap into this talent pool. So it's about using that network and me being able to you know, connect them with the right person or the, you know, the right sector um, and hopefully aiding their transition. And it's a through life program as well. So you can come back at any time and, and tap into that. Uh, mentoring there's a jobs board on there um, there's an events board so you know it's a one-stop shop if you're transitioning where all the insight events are on there and you can just have a look and obviously pick whatever you want to do so it's a program we're very proud of we're very proud to work with people like amazon and you know a number of, as i say 170 of the businesses who all signed the covenant who are all on the ers program and all see the value of tapping into this to this talent pool and and it's free. And I, and I want to stress that to anybody who's listening to this, uh, this podcast, nobody should be paying for advice who's leaving them service for CV and interview advice, because whether it's my program or it's another program, there are plenty of programs out there who offer really valuable advice all for free. That's, and, that's and they should tap into that. 
it's a really good point. There are so many organisations that are now working with industry to connect service lever talent, and, and it's definitely not something anybody should be paying for. Um, but there are a couple of really interesting kind of, I suppose, unique selling points that you just touched on there in terms of the VETS program. And one of them is the fact that, you know, you do have big name companies across a whole load of different sectors kind of in bringing them together all in the one place and as we've already touched on that's really important for people because you might not know a service labor might not know what industry they necessarily want to go into so obviously if you know if, if you've if you've honed in on the industry you want and you can go directly to that support that's great but you know like you said if you wanted to maybe have a career in cyber and you can have a chat to somebody about that and you you then change your mind you're already there within a network that can maybe signpost you to to another colleague that will be able to help you in another direction yeah completely and um you know especially the larger corporates because they're the ones that you know have have the kind of you know job numbers that we're talking about but you know Emma and I speak all the time about talent that's coming out and you know I might see a you know a CV that's been passed you know through the through the website through my program and they're really keen on going to financial services but actually you know they're just not going to find a role that easily in financial services because of their background but but I'll think well actually this person has got great leadership skills you know I'll have a chat initial chat to them and go my actually I think you should really speak to my mate Emma in Amazon uh, and we'll pass you know and vice versa and that's what we do that's that's the beauty of the collaboration it's about getting that talent and hopefully giving them the best advice we can as to where they best sit and whether that be, you know, in, in the financial sector or, or, or in the cyber sector, whatever it might be, we're all in this to try and get that person in the right place. It's not all about, well, you know, they've come to Amazon, so I want to hire them. That's absolutely not where any of us are coming from. We, you know, and it goes back to my initial point. It's about getting that individual in the right place for them. And people don't always like the advice we give them. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is advice. They can take it or leave it. But I think, you know, what we're very, what I'm very proud of in the programme and all the partners I work with is we're all very like minded and we will always be honest with the individual. But at the end of the day, that the choice is theirs and we will work with them to support them, whether they go with our recommendations or not. Um, but we are in it for the right reasons. And, you know, and again, that's the beauty of having that that network where everyone is like minded to hopefully get that person in the right place. Definitely. And the other the other kind of unique thing, I suppose, about the VETS program and something that Vicky touched on before as well, is it, it is that lifelong support. You don't have to have just left the military. Um, you know, you, you could have been out of the military for a while and then you decide you want a bit of a career change, you're not sure where to turn to and you can get in touch with the VETS program and there's a mentor program there that can help you out. Yeah, absolutely. You can come back to the program at any time. Um, you can just, you know, sign, sign into the website to give you access to the mentors or what tends to happen if people have, you know, had uh, already a career. In, in the civilian sector and are either, you know, have been made redundant. Obviously, we, we saw a lot, a lot of that last year. Um, suddenly, you know, people finding themselves with, without jobs um, or indeed, you, you know, you've kind of landed and you just want to do something else, you know, then they can come back to us and actually, you know, come to the team directly because the advice obviously is a little bit different um, in terms of CV and interview prep and, you know, where they see themselves fitting because they've got a better idea of where they see themselves. And we can tailor that advice uh, a little bit more to, to those individuals. And, you know, we can do that as well to, um, 
to, to individuals who are just coming out. But certainly if you've already sort of had that foray into civilian life, you've probably got more of an idea and more of a clue of where you want to go. And we can obviously give them, you know, the advice that suits that desire. Perfect. So, Victoria, you've been both a mentee and a mentor. Firstly, as a mentee, what type of guidance and advice did your mentor provide you? Um, first of all, identifying the different affinity groups um, within Amazon and getting me familiar with them, um, allowing me to join, signposting me to different networks that they think I'd be interested in, signposted me to the newsletter, um, also signposted me to the PR team. Um, because um, I'm also on the UK Invictus Games team as well, so I could get some support and also um, be a part of the Warrior Week podcast in America. Um, so, yeah, my mentor guides me through any issues that I have. I can go, even if I just need some advice on certain situations or um, any courses that I'm interested in. So whilst I'm, I'm brand new to Amazon, really, I'm in my first year, joined in June's midway through the pandemic. So it was quite um, a different challenge to change professions during that time. Um, And obviously you're very isolated during that time, so you can't really rely on friends and family that much either. Um, So if I didn't understand something or I struggled with something, for example, I was sat at home for six weeks doing online learning before I even went into an Amazon site. So that was quite challenging trying to um, understand the process. Um, from home and not really having time to ask questions because there was a couple of hundred a couple of hundred people on the phones uh, on the call so just any follow-up questions that I needed anything that I was unsure about I'd reach out and um, and he'd he'd guide me um, send me countless um, support emails and uh, notification or and giving me the information that I needed to make sure I fully understood and I was aware and prepared I think is the main thing um, prepared to go into an FC during a pandemic and what challenges I may face and what that might look like and what I can do about them. Um, so it was invaluable for me to have that. So it was important for me to give that back and pay it forward and be involved in assisting anybody in the future that I can um, transitioning into into Amazon, especially if it's their first role from the military. Um, people have all sorts of challenges and I find myself best placed as well, especially if those challenges involve an injury, um, have been through that process myself. And so um, I just want to enable to help people do the most seamless transition that they can really. Yeah. And I think the, what you're talking about giving back as well, that now that you're in a position to to become a mentor and, and give back to people, yeah. and you have had quite a diverse experience as well in leaving the military, you're able to offer, offer advice in a number of different levels. Have an open question for you all, but have you found that there are particular questions, concerns that female service leavers have compared to male service leavers maybe? Yeah, so it's interesting, isn't it? And it it picks up on the thread that both um, Emma and Vicky um, mentioned uh, earlier, and and that's about how they felt that the transition space uh, was very much male dominated. And I have to say, you know, when I went round the Insight Days, you know, the truth is obviously that the rooms uh, were mainly male, but I think we've got to put that into some perspective, obviously, because the vast majority of the military are 
men whether we like it or not you know and that that's the reality so that they're always going to be you know male dominated what has surprised me uh and emma and i and, and, our, and our the partners have, have discussed this a lot is almost the reluctance of the female service leavers to come to these events uh and possibly because they are male dominated and um, and we're all looking at ways of how we can better engage um, that section of our community. Um, and we have found uh, that running uh, military female only events seems seems to be a better way of, of doing it. And I, and I don't have any um, jaw dropping data I can share with you as to why that is, but certainly from a practitioner's view, you know, when we run an event um, in our offices in Canary Wharf and, and we asked the ladies who attended why they came, but almost without fail, they said that um, they wouldn't have come to a normal Barclays Military Talent Day. They came because it was a female-only uh, environment. And, and a lot of it was because they've been in a male environment. They've been there. They've done that. The last thing they want to do is, is come to another male environment and it, and it seems to put them off um, so there is a lot of work going in from from an awful lot of companies um, including the two on on this call uh, this afternoon to try and attract um, female military talent because you know we all have opened up our jobs to uh, you know obviously both male and female we want to attract the best talent um, whether that's male or female you know none of us are that concerned but we want the best talent and we're just missing out on 10 percent of, of of that talent that's coming out if uh if, if the ladies don't turn up and I, and I think that's a real shame so you know if anyone is listening to this podcast and um wants to take this conversation further um as to why um women aren't turning up to these events i'd absolutely um love to hear from you because it, it is as i say it is something we are generating a lot of brain power to we're putting a not an awful lot of effort into trying to attract um and ascertain why women aren't coming forward um because the opportunities are there it's an interesting observation you made there about the, the fact that um service leavers female service leavers were in a male dominated environment and therefore that might be putting them off to go to industries that have the the perception of being male dominated because as a civilian i've never served in the military and as a civilian i think my assumption might have been that actually female service leavers would be less put off by that because they're used to it and and what you're saying that you know it's the opposite of that and that's that's an interest, interesting talking point i think um emma let's come to you what are your thoughts on that yeah, I really want to sort of echo Lisa's points there. And it's exactly what jumped out at me when I was at particularly these large events is that, you know, little things businesses can do. You know, so I recall two events I went to where every representation, everybody that represented that company was male. Not only male, they were white. So, you know, you're, you're demonstrating a business to me that's all encompassing and, and diverse. Yeah, everybody that's presented from your business has been white and male. Um, worse than that, actually, at one particular event where everybody that represented the business was white and male was in the networking afterwards. I was chatting to a, a friend of mine, um, a male friend of mine at the event, and he was just leaving. And I said, well, why are you leaving? He went, I've just been speaking to one of the representatives from the company. 
And I was trying to engage with him, but he quickly dismissed me because he had to go off and schmooze the females in the room. So he was leaving. I left with him (laughs) because, you know, straight away that sort of demonstrated that culture to me that this is not the type of business I want to be with. But it is like me and Lisa have sort of talked about is, is businesses do need to think outside the box. And this is a plea, really, to businesses out there, really, is if you want to attract female talent, think about your events think about how the style of that event you know if it's a big event try and have some female diversity at least presented even if they're not service leavers or veterans doesn't matter but have some female diversity there that females can go and speak to but think about different events bespoke events female only events I went to one of parties a couple of years ago and it's it's a game changer you know being in a room where everybody's a female instantly changes the vibe it was very relaxed and those I get asked these questions all the time particularly from female service leavers with childcare responsibilities they want to ask about flexible working they want to ask about part-time working you know all those questions that they would never ask in a big room with you know 90% of the room being male and every presenter's male they want to ask those questions, whereas in a smaller bespoke group, in a more relaxed environment, where you've got somebody presenting who's female, who's got two children of school age, instantly you're going to have an affinity with, with that presenter and then an affinity with that company. That business, you know, is supporting that individual. So I would um, wholeheartedly, you know, have a plea to businesses. And we here at Amazon are, are thinking of creative and novel ways um, to sort of do events, you know, focusing on female service leavers. I mean, that's a great advantage to the VETS network that actually, you know, you you have that agenda, you're recognising this and you've already got, um, you know, members. How many members did you say, Lisa? Uh, just over 170 as, as we stand at the moment. So 170 members that can band together to actually to to kind of address that issue and and Vicky I'm kind of interested as well from your perspective we're talking about equality and diversity and one thing that I often think about in terms of when people talk about wounded injured sick is that it, it just encompasses so many experiences you know just because you left the military under a heading of wounded injured sick that that doesn't mean that everybody had the same experience and so what what advice could you give organizations about how they address the diversity and representation of of that group of people within their um, employment program i echo what the ladies have just said about about uh, male-centric presentations and also that's what they come clearly aiming for as well and being part of the WIS community and going through that at the same time is so challenging. And particularly, we've got also female mothers as well. So they're juggling quite a few um, concerns, responsibilities, um, and where they, where they can head. And I think it's amazing what Barclays are doing um, to bring other companies in on that and get aligned. I think it's all about perception. And that perception needs to be changed. It needs to be challenged. And it also needs to be um, hit head on, really, because um, you don't see, I haven't seen anyway, I don't know about the others, um, any disability representation at any event with when it comes to military transitioning. But what we have 
seen. Well, I certainly have. There was nothing out there 10 years ago when I left, but there is help now. There's a lot of companies. I'm a, an ambassador for the Royal British Legion. I'm a representative for Help the Heroes, and uh, and I'm currently on the UK Invictus team. And the amount of businesses that are getting involved in that and starting to understand the talent that is within that community community is starting to change, and it's starting to challenge their perceptions and also um, start to think about the talent that they could um recruit from within these events and um, there's a lot of corporate leaders turn up for the Invictus sp uh, specifically and um, we will talk about our experiences through that so I think um, education is key and um, showing that we may be injured and also medically discharged uh what does that mean what does that look like what does WIS mean what does that look like people can be injured but can fully recovered and not have any um limitations on their performance in 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 any event so i think it's understanding exactly what that looks like and the diversity within that group as well and then understanding that you could offer somebody an opportunity of employment um in that group and specifically understanding the different strands that, that there are. And what Help for Heroes and the charities like the Royal British Legion do is they can signpost people to the companies that they're already aware of. But again, companies that they're aware of coupled with Armed Forces Covenant, I think everybody needs to pull together and look at it holistically and challenge these different companies on, on maybe the percentage of of WIS communities of that, like how, how many how many employees do you have that fall under that umbrella? And what can you do as a company to change that? Um, have you got a spokesperson within that um, catchment that would be willing to do a podcast like this for their company and for service leavers? And I suppose, Lisa, from a vet's perspective, you're you're in a prime position to be able to engage in those conversations with with big organisations that, that you know hire military veterans and probably have have a number of these people within their ranks already. Yeah, I mean, Vicky, I mean, I'm 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 going to set Kylie a task so we can do another <laughs> podcast because you know it's something we'd we'd love to do, um, and and it's something actually the vets program have just run a series of webinars actually on disabilities um, and also hidden disabilities you know because what we have yeah. found from our, the veterans that come through our program is that actually the whiz soldiers do tend to get catered for and looked after with various initiatives and programs but those individuals who have sort of hidden disabilities whether that be neurodiversity or whatever it might be you know wh where do they sit where does the help come from from them and again you know a lot of businesses um have uh, networks, just like the military networks we all have, they have disability networks. Um, and there's a lot of support out there and a lot of things that, you know, probably as, leave, as a service leader and veteran coming through, you wouldn't think big companies actually pay any attention to, but they, they, they absolutely do. You know, diversity inclusion in the workplace is probably the number one topic on every CEO's um, list across the piece. It doesn't matter what sector uh, they're from and it's and it's it's been really interesting to be in the bank at this time as as, as that has kind of taken hold and you know disability is, is a big part of that so um 
it absolutely doesn't stop individuals coming from work and it's absolutely not looked at as a one size fit all either which which is often you know an issue people think well because I've got mental health issues you know everyone puts me in the same bucket with you know PTSD that's not that's not the case at all there's a lot of support out there for uh, with soldiers and those as I say with hidden disabilities and there's a lot of work going into that great and I think while we're while we're on that subject for here, I'm really interested to hear a bit more about your obviously you're an Invictus athlete, um, and you're involved in a number of different sporting um, national sports. But how do you balance that with your career at Amazon? And Emma, maybe from you, from Amazon's perspective, how do you help Vicky balance those two careers? Okay, so um, I I joined Amazon. I went over to Amazon already on the team so I made that um, pretty clear on my recruitment and it was amazing to find out during that that Amazon's going to be one of the sponsors for the next Invictus Games so it it filled me with immense pride that the employer I was going to um, had already you know put some at stake in with support and also financially um, so that that could continue to go ahead because it's uh, sport is such a a major issue with recovery um, and if you ever get the chance to be involved in any of the Invictus training camps you can just see the change in people from um, who are struggling and who need that extra support or extra focus um, it's I'd like to say it's it's easy but it's not it's quite difficult juggling um, my career and sports but it's the kind of person that I am um, I, I always take on the world and run with it um but they've definitely supported me um we've had i've had conversations directly with my general manager about um extra support for this double world record attempt i'm going to be doing in 2023 in which um i'm fully supported with a sabbatical on to that so um everything i'm doing amazon supporting me and getting behind me and for a person and an employee, it's a really good feeling to know that not only are they behind you, but they want to fundraise for you, with you. They want to um, make sure that you're fully promoted and people are aware of what you're doing and also what Amazon can do wherever, whichever FCL I'll be working in at that time because we, we do move around. But um, wherever I'll be working that time, they'll support me with an event and highlight the fact that an employee is doing this and why and just get that knowledge out there. Um, it's interesting as well that um, just by wearing one of the tops that I've got on today, I've wore at work before, and the amount of soldiers that are recruited, and not just soldiers, vets across the board that come out the woodworks that you didn't even know were ex-service personnel, they straight away spot the Health for Heroes or the Invictus or the Union Jack, for example, and and it's a, a talking point. It, it provokes conversations and opportunities then come from that and where I can signpost their interest back towards the uh, WIS or Invictus uh, community. So, yeah, um, I'm fully supported and it's, it's great. Um, and, yeah, they're just fully supported. They want to know everything about it and share that news across across the uh, network. I think that goes back to what Lisa and Emma were both talking about in terms of, you know, having that culture that values service lever talent and veteran talent kind of embedded within the company. And, and that comes through in really practical ways, like what you were just talking about. 
So in addition to su the support you offer to service leavers, um, Lisa, you mentioned that VETS is now open to military spouses. So from an Armed Forces Covenant perspective, this is excellent news and it's something we encourage everyone in the Armed Forces Covenant community, community to include in their forces-friendly policies. But why particularly did you feel it was important for the VETS program to offer this form of support? So in fairness, I started it with the program in 2019, Kylie, and it was something that um, vets had kind of been tinkering around the edges with anyway, but not in a formalized way. Uh, the back end of 2019, I ran an employment program just for military spouses uh, in conjunction with the Naval Families Federation up in Helensborough. And, you know, it, it absolutely typified what we go and tell people about our military spouse community. You know, there were people there, you know, degrees, had amazing careers, um, and had given it all up essentially to, to follow the flag um, or to raise children or whatever the reason is for just taking time out of the workplace. And, you know, some of them were at, that, at the end of that process where their husbands were leaving the military and they were facing transition, not only them personally, but their husbands transitioning. Uh, but others are just, you know, wanted to get back into the workplace and, and had their own um, issues with, with transitioning back into work, having taken time off for whatever reason. And so it was, it was quite heartbreaking, actually, listening to some of their stories. You know, here are some really talented women. Uh, they're all volunteers. We didn't handpick them uh, with some exceptional talent and, and skills um, that they could offer, you know, the workforce and, and businesses. Uh, and they just you know, we're finding it really hard to, to break through. And, you know, how do you address a gap in your CV? You know, how do we get businesses to look at, um, you know, gaps in CVs in a different way? And I think it was mentioned, you know, in the, in the call earlier, you know, most of, um, most of the uh, parental care for children is still taken, undertaken by, by the mother. That's just how it is. And maybe it will change, but that's how it is. And so women who are looking, who have childcare responsibilities and are looking to go back into the workforce, have that awful decision to make of, do I take a full-time role and have, you know, put their kids into full-time daycare, or can I actually have a conversation with an employer about flexible working? Now, had we had this uh, podcast conversation, you know, in 2019, my advice would be very different as it is now. You know, my, our advice was always previously, you know, don't start having those conversations about flexible working at the start. Wait till you're offered a job and then have those conversations, because what you don't want to do is scare those employers off. And, you know, it's a ridiculous thing to have to say, but genuinely was the best advice we could give someone. Now we've had a work from home for a year for everybody, you know, across all sectors. It's completely changed the dynamic. So my advice to women now is to have that conversation, you know, from the off, because it, it's a much more, it's a, you know, the working dynamic has changed. Um, people are looking at working from home as almost being the norm, certainly going forward, you know, um, it's, it's absolutely not frowned upon anymore and I think there has never been a better time for a military spouse to re-enter the workforce and talk about flexible dynamic working arrangements so it was off the back of that and just having run those prog that program we were supposed to run a couple more last year because it was hugely successful we couldn't because of covid you know there was a real appetite 
to support these ladies and um we just thought we should do it on a more formal basis you know we we know there's a talent pool out there we know they have their own transition um issues to face when the whole family unit is is leaving the forces but also just to provide that support to some incredibly talented you know and there are some male spouses too male and female uh, military spouses or partners to 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 get them back into employability um and the only thing really stopping us previously was capacity. Um, we think we've we've got that balance right now. We've got enough mentors on the platform. We've got enough partners who support the initiatives and are, and are you know willing to assist us in in working with this cohort. And so it absolutely made you know perfect business sense to open up open up the program. So uh, delighted to say officially in March 2021 uh, we have opened the program to military spouses and you know absolutely delighted we, we can do that and it and it's all because of the huge support uh, that we've got from people like Amazon and, and our other partners and, and for that I'm eternally grateful. That's excellent news and I suppose one of the main kind of takeaways from today is that although we've you know been specifically today been focusing in on the female veteran experience obviously vets as a program is open to anyone of any rank no matter when you left the the forces um and including military spouses so that's that's great news um, absolutely we absolutely pride ourselves on being open to all um any rank any service any background um, and that includes, you know, people with disabilities, people who've uh, spent time behind bars. Um, it, it doesn't matter what your circumstance. Um, we're very happy to work with you and hopefully provide that support and, and gain you employment. Perfect. And I suppose uh, famous last words, but what's the one piece of advice looking back on your own transition experience, you know, the, the insights that you have? Um, what's the one piece of advice you would give to service leavers today what let's start one each we'll go first uh emma what's your one piece of advice um i think you know particularly service leavers um is don't leave that transition piece to the last minute you know it it's it's important to get right um you know, it, it's a huge process that you're going through. And the earlier you can engage in that process, it will be far better for you. I've had so many friends that tripped themselves up and left it to, you know, the last sort of four weeks of being paid by the military and have really, really struggled. Um, so the earlier you can engage in that process, the better. I'm really investing in it. it. It is well worth investing your time in it. It'll make it easier in the long run. Um, so, yeah. That would, that would be my advice to anyone. Excellent advice. And Vicky, what's your one piece of advice? I would say um, buddy up with a mentor of uh, somebody that it doesn't, they don't necessarily have to work for the company you're interested in, but just buddy up with somebody who's been through the process um, and who can give you some words of wisdom and support and advice throughout. Perfect. And Lisa? Well, two excellent bits of advice uh, preceded my comment, but I would say uh, do your own due diligence on not only yourself, but the company you're thinking of working for and ensure you've got that cultural fit. Excellent. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. And I hope that hearing from our three female veterans has provided some useful insights for those employers who may be listening and wanting to encourage more female service leavers and veterans into their sector. 
Of course, you can find more information about the Veterans Employment Transition Service at veteranemployment.co.uk. As with all of our episodes, relevant links and further information on everything we've discussed can be found in the episode bio. And if you have any questions, don't forget you can find DRM on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. Thank you for listening. If you don't want to miss out on next month's episode, then hit the subscribe button. And if you have any questions for us or want to know more, you can contact us on Twitter at DRM underscore support. Thank you very much for listening.